The IT teacher discussed summer reading. Everyone should read every single day. Here are some ideas for parents and teachers. Happy summer. Welcome to the IT Teacher's Summer Mini-Series, where Alicia and Haley share their knowledge of integrating technology into the classroom. With over 30 years of combined experience, the IT teachers keep you up to date with the latest trends, share their experiences, and offer insight to help educators like you redefine your teaching to maximize students' learning. Welcome to the IT Teacher's Podcast, where we put the A in tech. I'm Alicia. And I'm Haley. And we have a very exciting conversation today um, as we have not one, not two, but three specialists in the reading area. We have Kim. Kim is a reading specialist. She has taught language arts in the classroom for 25 years. She's worked with all grade levels from elementary to middle school. Kim coaches teachers as a reading specialist, and she's worked to support students with interventions surrounding reading and writing. We have Angie. Angie is a reading and language arts consultant. Angie has taught in the classroom for almost 20 years from grades five through 12. Angie's worked within both urban and suburban schools and currently is a middle school reading specialist. We have Femi, who has been teaching English grades seven to 12 for almost 20 years. She has her master's in TSOL, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. Femi works closely with special education teachers and co-teachers. Um, in supported classrooms as she provides students with interventions, supports, and differentiated instruction. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hey. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on with us today. We are so excited to have all of you. This is amazing. So Thank you for having us. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're doing our summer season right now, and we are going to talk. We're hoping that you could give us a little bit of information about summer reading and the challenges that you face in your, you know, in your own experiences, and hopefully um, give us and each other and our listeners some tips and tricks that could move our students forward and parents, parents too. Yeah, the struggle is real. <laughs> I've talked to more parents who are like. What do I do? What do I do? So I said, well, listen to our podcast because we have we have three professional uh, you know specialists here. So we're really excited. We really appreciate your time. So basically, we have students. Everyone has kind of different summer reading situations. Some kids have a book that they have to read. Some kids get to choose. Um, and, we're, you know, we're looking for advice on how to get these kids moving, how to get them into the books, how to. Uh, perhaps how to choose a book. Yeah, okay. especially our students who are not typical, you know, our typical students who don't tend to love reading already. So what do you what do we think here, ladies? <laughs> well, so I right now, this is Kim. So I teach seventh grade presently and I've had a lot of different roles and I'm actually doing summer school right now, too, with some uh, middle schoolers. But I think, you know, um, if there is not a set book or, you know, a set, um, sometimes schools will give you a book or a title or they'll, they'll give you a number of books. Then I think the biggest thing is to just try to get some reading done for enjoyment and to really find something that at least will hold interest. I always tell my students, you don't have to love reading like I do, but you have to be able to read, understand and be able to sustain the reading. Because that's the biggest thing we're seeing is that kids really have to sustain the reading because they need it with everything they're doing. 
So I think giving them choice, um, you know, public libraries have a lot of, you know, fun challenges. And it's not just some kids like, oh, it's for babies, it's but they're elementary, middle school, even high school, upper grades. They also have book clubs. Um, you know, if a child doesn't want to actually read, they can listen to the audio and follow along. Um, parents can read with them, but sometimes maybe get a few friends that want to read the same book. And if they do have an assignment and it's that book, then I would recommend getting it done early on. So they're not doing it last minute right. and in giving them options like to take notes on it. So they'll remember if they'll have a sign, an assignment when they get back to school and, you know, give the option, like take notes on your phone, like teenagers, especially they're want to use their phones. So, you know, they, they'll feel at least in control that they can have their phone with them and you, you know, open up the notes section on their phones to do that, which does help. And, you know, just really, giving them a lot of options and even if it's not the best book if they are reading and able to understand it it's better than not keeping any reading going throughout the summer but parents there's some you know more about young adult books but like we as educators read a lot of these young adult books and they're great so even if a parent or a cousin or a relative said, oh, let's read this together and like kind of make it a fun thing and even, you know, create some little challenges. Um, Angie, I think you could talk to, you know, how we always have done in the past, like setting calendars too. Um, yeah. Um, and I think it's also important to be um, mindful of how long you have to read the book and how long the book is and, you know, just break it down. You know, a lot of kids will pick up a book and literally hold it in their hand and see how much it weighs. And that's how they decide whether or not they're going to read it. Cause all they see is like, this is going to be so long. This is going to be, but if you really just break it down for them and, and say, no, you know, ha some of these pages are even just the, the extra publishing pages. So let's count the exact pages that you have to read and let's set a goal and divide it um, by the number of pages that the book contains. And that's how you can set your schedule. Up. Like, okay, we're going to, finish this book by August 1st so that means we have to read this many pages a day in order to do it and I think Kim's idea about even hosting like friends together every you know maybe you you, you have parents that you're friends with and you take turns hosting a book club night at their house with your kids and, and you know do like snacks and pizza or whatever and discuss the book that way and make it like a night out and that would be something that would motivate the student to actually read because they don't want to be the one who comes to the house and doesn't have anything to contribute to, to their friend's discussion. And it'll be something that they look forward to. And the other thing I want to stress to all parents, um, like Kim said as well, even if you know, understand why a child would want to read like Dog Man or Captain Underpants, I don't get it. But if they're reading, you know, that's fine. Like as long, you know, just as long as they're reading and it's holding their interest, then let them read it. You you don't have to like it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just has to be appropriate. And also I want you to change how you feel about listening to books because I know that that gets a, a bad rep and people think like uh audio apps are cheating. No, they're not. Um is it best to listen and follow along? Sure, but it's it's better to at least have know the book. Um and and like what audio what audio apps do is 
you start to to hear the story and really like the stories, right? So then then reading them without the audio will ha- will come organically because you'll be like, well, I really like that book, so I'm just you know I'm going to read it and I'll just go grab it and read it. So some um, every local library, you just need a a, a library card. Um, and they have apps that you can download on your phone that are free. These apps are called Overdrive, Hoopla, Libby, and you can get and most books. I mean, if Hoopla doesn't have it, Libby will have it. And if Libby doesn't have it, Overdrive will have it. And if none of them have it, you can request that the library get it. And a lot of times they get it from their uh, partners. So. Right. And to piggyback off of you, Angie, too, um, I tend to work with more uh English uh, uh, students who are learning English as a second language. And so in our district, we also have Overdrive. And oftentimes, a lot of our books are um, in dual languages. So what we have more of a prominent Hispanic population of students. So oftentimes, our books are in Spanish and in English. And um, I always encourage all of my ESL parents that even if their child is reading in their native language, um, reading for fun, for interest, uh, is always paramount. I think so many times why kids just choose not to do it is because they are so burnt out from dissecting a text to piece, um, to pieces. And I know that that's an issue in our school sometimes where we have to, you know, it takes us like six to eight weeks to read one novel because we're, psychoanalyzing all the characters and their motivation and looking at the structure and the analysis. And so when kids go into the summer, at least at the high school level, that's the last thing that they want to do. So I always tell my students, we have a little bit of a more open policy in terms of they can really select what books they want. Um, We do give them a list of recommendations. There are some tasks usually that we had associated with them uh, upon their return, but due to the pandemic the last two years, we have kind of taken a more holistic approach with that. Um, but Overdrive is fantastic. And like you said, Angie, you know, any book that the kids want, they can always get it um, through their library as well. So it's definitely one of the best resources out there. And, you know, not to forget, too, like anime and manga and, uh, you know, graphic novels. It's all a form of reading. So, you know, there's something out there. And graphic novels, people have to understand, they they don't look like the comic books from when when we were kids. Like, there's a a book, for example, that I read um, on the recommendation of one of my my own son, and it's called um, Heartstoppers. I mean, I read it in like 20 minutes. And it, it was a story and it was um, organized like a comic book, but it didn't, it, it flowed like a regular book, you know, like left to right. Another mm-hmm. one like is White Bird written by um, R.J. Palacio, I think is how you say her name, the same author of Wonder and it's unbelievable. Like you don't even realize you're reading a comic book. So, um, or a graphic novel, it's not, a, they're not bad. No book is bad. Right. And I think that's the thing is what are, you know, what's our philosophy for summer reading? What are we trying to do? And I think it is, it's just getting the students to enjoy reading, to be able to have a choice, like you said, Kim, and 
because they are we are like them you said giving them texts all the time and yeah. giving them all these you know these huge tasks and summative assessments at the end of everything and testing them and quizzing them but I don't know. I think we maybe do kill their love of reading yeah. and then we expect them we to do. Pick definitely love it. Yeah. But it has to come. Yeah. And it, that's, that's a systemic problem because there's just, everybody is under the gun with like timelines and assessments and data and performance and improving and all this stuff. And it's like, I always wonder if we could just take a minute and, and really try to like, get the kids excited about the story and then we'll do all the other things as well book talks are great like getting kids hooked mm -hmm. on wanting to know the story you give them a book talk beforehand you just give them just all the like, couple juicy parts that they're like what and then they want to read the book afterwards and you know what that's a really good point because when you were talking I was thinking about that and we in our district we did do some book talks um, we offered them throughout the summer, you know, some teachers volunteered to go into the public school, the public library, and students would go, you know, with kids who they didn't know, but happened to read the same text as them. Um, and it was really neat to see them talk about the books. And of course, again, those are students who were interested in reading, and they wanted to give up their right. summertime and go into the library and talk about it with the teacher. And, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But we also did it at the beginning of the school year, I think two years ago, right, them? Yeah. And the kids that did not read were in the classroom and while the students who did read were talking about these incredible texts that they loved and had these cool characters. And you could see, you know, just by observing the students who didn't read, they were like, whoa, that's cool. Or they were asking, and what happened next? You know, like they wanted to know what the stories were about. Right. Um, so it really is it really is invaluable to have the peers listen to each other um, and especially they kind of get to run the show and it's not us telling them what this, this the plot line is or oh is the setting was so great it made the mood you know seem this way yeah and the other thing we have to also take into consideration is you know you, you can't discredit all the classics everybody loves right uh to kill a mockingbird and all those things like you know scarlet letter all the things we have that we're all used to teaching but um, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be read. Of course, they should be read. But I, it's more important, in my opinion, that our students see themselves in what they read and see their their lore, their stories and their lives play out in the book because um, they got to connect to it before they can actually want to read it. Yeah. And I also think it's important to note, too, like for with kids and appeasing to their interests, even in the classroom sometimes, you know, they're so reluctant when you say, oh, we're going to start a new novel, and they all start to groan and moan, and, you know, this happened to me towards the end of the school year um, on the on the heels of To Kill a Mockingbird with my sophomores and my sheltered English 2 students. We still had to get one more novel in, and we had about two weeks of school left with, of course, you know how it goes, all the interruptions and assemblies, and they had to read another text, and fortunately, we had a block period, and we were able to crank it out. I didn't give them any quizzes or assessments, but they needed to demonstrate knowledge of the book in their final writing task. And the kids did it. Uh, and they were so impressed with themselves because they've never read a book that fast in school. But it also gravitated, um, grab, it grabbed their interest. And 
it was relatable because they could see themselves in those characters or in those situations. So I fully agree with you, Angie, that, you know, I think our, we need to become a little bit more diverse in our literature and kind of try to reach out to all of our students in the classroom um, with more examples of what they're seeing in their own lives. Yeah, and we need to stop, like, segregating literature. Like, I, I don't think that we should have special classes where, oh, uh, Black voices or uh, queer history or an LGBTQ uh, history and books like that. Like, we don't need to separate them. Like, we should just be reading literature from all authors, like Black authors, gay authors, white authors, Native American authors. Like, stop segregating it because we're not segregated. So, you know, if, if, and you got to get comfortable reading it, no matter what, what ethnicity or, or um, sexual preference you identify with, like get over yourself. It's not in just, <laughs> it's, it's about everybody, you know? You know, so at the, at the middle school um, where I, I'm teaching at, uh, we have one book, one middle school and the students are reading. It's actually a graphic novel called When Stars Are Scattered. And it's a really awesome um, neat, diverse graphic novel. And it, you know, we always say, you know, you could read, you could read Fahrenheit when you're in sixth grade, but you could read it in high school and you'll get so different, you know, something different out of it. Um, and that's kind of the whole premise behind this whole one book, one, uh, one middle school, but it's also to like join everybody together. So it, you know, while they're not giving choice, it's such a, such a, um, such a dynamic book that offers everyone kind of something and, you know, someone can, everyone can connect to it. But, you know, I agree with you, you know, don't segregate the different uh, genres and things like that. And like, let kids choose and let them have that choice. Because a lot of times, you know, even when you're in reader writer workshop, you know, you don't, it depends on the, on the theme or what your, what your, you know, what the choice is. But I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that they had one book for the middle school, you know? Now, I also wanted to just chime in from a parent of teens um, and just having two totally different children as readers growing up. So obviously, I love reading. I've been reading. I've been reading to my kids right now. They're 15 and 18. And just my experience with summer reading and how we kind of approached it, one, it had to be totally different for both kids because they one loves reading and has been in honors classes and one is just in the standard classes and doesn't love it. So I think we, you know, we would make it at least where, you know, we would go to Barnes and Noble or go to the public library and just like, again, let them try to pick out something or something that at least, you know, for the one that was more reluctant, like, but I think also I had to, it, I didn't want it to be this battle and this hate and this nagging as a parent, do your summer reading, do your summer reading, because mm-hmm. then it would be shut down mode and it, it wouldn't get done anyway. Yeah. So I kind of like had to back off and it would get done or it wouldn't. And just, again, still trying to provide, okay, we have the audio, we have this, do you want this? Going to the store, going to the library, having some resources, bringing some different books in a variety. And like, sometimes you have to just realize like, okay, put it on this, the child. Like, yeah. you know, you're old enough now, obviously when they're younger, you read with them. Yeah. And I still try at teens to do that. It didn't always work, but I think like you can't battle it. So you just do your best. And then even like, I would pull up the school site. Okay. Just to let you know, like, here's the time frame. here's the assignment, 
you know, and just kind of put the ownership on them too, and still just, you know, giving them opportunity to get it done. And then there's only so much, you know, that you can do and you can't beat yourself off about it either. And, you know, you just have to hope they'll be okay and realize that, you know, they'll see what it's like if they missed it or didn't do it or did it. I know. I feel like, Kim, I'm on the other end of the spectrum here or, or, you know, the 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 ruler where like my kids are my you know in kindergarten first grade and they love reading so we're reading the magic treehouse series and she can't wait for the next chapter or the next book you know that was one of my kids one of them wanted all of (laughs) it the other i'd be like okay like can we i would like i would sit there and he would listen at least like so there was something but then like now he's going to be 16 yeah i'm like okay i keep asking i was like what's going on with summer reading so I'll just end up like printing and then whatever he does with it is his choice. Yeah. Now I have a question. So Themi, I have a question for you. So we mentioned like overdrive and getting the books. Cause I always think audible, audible, but it's so expensive unless you, you know, to order on audible. So, you know, we can get the books from the library, but are there any, is there any kind of technology in particular that you use with, um, with the ESOL students or, um, yeah, there's actually it's so funny that you mentioned Audible. I just canceled my subscription because um, I had, you know, I had bought it for school and I completely forgot to uh, cancel it only because one of the texts that we started the share was not on overdrive but for hopefully next year it will have it um but there's some really cool websites out there uh for esl students in general um and this actually can go across all content areas truly not only just reading but for all their other classes so there's um a set of glossaries from steinhardt um, out of nyu their school of education, which they've taken basically and compiled all key uh, terms for subject matters, history, science, English, um, social studies, and they have them in multiple languages uh, for students. So it's a free resource. So that's something that I actually print out for all of my kids uh, based on their native language. And they got like it's a built-in dictionary of content language that they need to know. Um, And then there's some other websites that I use with the kids. Um, Sporadically, I have noticed that it depends on what you input into it, like anything. Um, One is called textcompactor.com. And what it does is it takes dense text and it can lessen the, uh, the density of it. So, for example, one year um, I had a class where my students were reading Night by Ellie Wiesel, and they were really struggling. And so I, you know, typed in a passage that I really wanted them to, like, understand and get to the nitty gritty. And it kind of simplifies it by a percentage. But on the flip side of that, you're also losing sometimes the articulation of the piece in itself, right? Um the metaphors, the analogies, sometimes those get lost as you simplify something. So that that should be used, I think, with more caution. Um, but it's definitely a great thing, a great tool to use to just help students kind of like understand uh, material and text. Um, and of course, if everyone is like a Google school, <laughs> like ours is, uh, through Google, they have some really great resources as well that um, I usually create most of my assignments. And um, if it's online, 
I, what I do is I make like an English copy and then I'll make a copy of that and translate it into the multiple languages of my students. So at least they all have access to it in their native language with the cautionary tale of it's a Google Translate. So sometimes it may not always be a thousand percent accurate, but they're appreciative of any type of assistance that will help them access the material in English even more. So. Oh, that's great. We're going to link up these uh, websites that Demi's talking about right in our notes in the um, in the podcast episode. Now, I know this is not on directly on the topic of summer reading, but Angie, I remember you telling me about um, seeding texts. And I just wanted to, like, touch on that. Is that anything that was because Femi was talking about the text compactor? Have you ever heard of that? And um, I, I haven't heard of that, but there is um, a a gentleman named Mark Schmidick who came up with this method called seeding and it's not, it can be used for ESOL students, but it can also be used for just struggling readers in general. So there's several um, books, common books and short stories that are taught in um, language arts that a publisher has actually published. um, I can't remember if it's Random House or what, but where they have taken the text, so like I know The Outsiders is one of them, mm-hmm. and like The Outsiders is a great story, but um, the kids today don't understand a lot of the the lingo in The Outsiders. Like right. the first um, sentence in The Outsiders is, "I stepped out of the movie house and I had two things on my mind: Paul Newman and a ride home." Well, our kids <laughs> do not know who Paul Newman is. They're thinking, "So wait, you just watched a movie and now you want salad." Because the only way they know who Paul Newman is is the right. salad dressing. Yeah, yeah, Newman. So, so then they continue to read because that's what struggling readers do. They just move through that. Okay, I don't know who he is, whatever. Let me keep reading. But the whole time they're trying to figure out, but why does he want salad? And it's like they're co- completely gone. Yeah. So next to Paul Newman would be um, uh, an actor from whatever years he was alive. I don't even know. Um, and that would help him. Another one would, another word would be next uh, in the outsiders that they use is the fuzz to, to um, describe police. police. So next to the, the word fuzz, it would say, you know, police officer or cops or whatever, depending on which um, population of students we are working with. So yeah, there's a ton of those that are, um, some schools have, have like committed to buying several copies of the, of the books that they want to teach already seeded but if you if you don't I mean it's not a hard thing to do I've taken like short stories I've taken assessments I've taken um books uh from or not books uh stories from like common lit you know how you can break and I've seeded them myself like it's just a matter of going through the the text and saying okay which word are they not going to get and then you just in smaller text in parentheses right next to the word you just put it there and so like they don't mm-hmm. they don't have a break in meeting because if you think a struggling reader is going to go to the bottom of the page book for a footnote yeah. you're yeah. out of your mind right. you know like so if it's right there as they're as they're reading they they'll they won't lose track that's i mean i think that when you had mentioned that to me i thought it was so neat that you know it will be right in the line with the text um and i was thinking mm-hmm. of the com- common lit um commonlit.org too because there's so many short stories on there and and stuff like that but um you know and and again i know i didn't want to deviate too much from the actual summer reading books but um but i just thought that was a neat strategy to mention um 
to our listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, ultimately, you know, we have these kids, we give them summer work and, you know, and they're, it's dreadful. And for a lot of parents, you know, you have these kids who read like water and they can't wait to get home so that they can just sit on their couch and read. But then on the complete opposite side of the, of the, uh, you know, spectrum, you have these students who are, you know, these kids who don't want to look at a book. And I don't know that I can fault them for that because, you know, um, it is their vacation. So like Kim was saying, you can't beat yourself up. I think schools have now with COVID um, have taken a more lenient approach. I remember when I first started teaching uh, high school, I had to have assignments for every option that we gave the kids, like a test was created. So like as a department, we took, okay, I'll do the test for, um, I don't remember mice and men of mice and men. And then like, I don't, whatever, whatever books we gave as options for summer reading. And then they would come in and like the first day of school or the first week of school, they'd have to take a test based on the book they read. Yeah. But you know, that just harbors resentment and harbors. And like, let's not forget we're dealing with teenagers who don't want to listen in general. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell them to do something. Go luck with them. (laughs) You know? So, um, I I think we need to just, you know, accept that some are going to be avid readers and some of them aren't. And as long as they can read and can, you know, understand like reading between the lines, reading a manual, making inferences, like they're going to be all right, you know? Right. Yeah. We, our district has also taken quite a few steps back from the time that I started teaching there. You know, it used to be if the students didn't come in having read the text by the second Wednesday of the school year, they were losing 200 summative points and they were basically not going to possibly be able to get themselves out of the the point deficit to be able to pass the first quarter. Like it was so how that worked out. I mean, did that make a bunch of kids read? No, they ended up cheating probably, you know, like let's go on like cliff notes or whatever they're called nowadays. And and, you know, anxiety and then cheat the cheating and, and just scrambling to get it done. And that's completely not the point. And not to mention, I don't really know (laughs) how it was helping us assess their ability in, in English, you know, as a content area at all. (laughs) It's not, it's most, it's mostly assessing whether or not they can, they can, uh, take an assignment and, and, and follow directions and that's it, you know? Right. It's giving them more. It kind of puts us behind the eight ball because we're, we end up getting, they think, you know, they don't know that it's a district initiative. So they just hate you because you're the one taking, asking them if they did it. Right. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, which I, I think we all run into as English or reading teachers is, you know, a student might be, pretty darn good at accessing information and being able to read, but not so great at communicating or being able to write or speak about it. So, but the only way we assess it is through their ability to communicate it back to us. So, right. You know, it just becomes this, you know, you're the dog chasing its tail kind of situation. And it's a vicious cycle. You start off on the wrong foot with the kids. They end up getting slammed with a great, you know, you know, if the purpose is to, which it should be to keep kids reading, to keep their brains moving, to keep their imaginations, you know, even if it's like we had talked about a graphic novel, you know, just to keep uh, those few months, a couple of months of summer, uh, you know, uh, 
keep their brains moving, you know, what do we really want out of this and what, what needs to be the end? Your end goal. And like, you know, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, we're, we're going to, it's going to be about five years before we have quote unquote, a normal crop of children because this, this whole COVID thing has just changed everything for everybody. And honestly, guys, after going through school like this for the last three years, they need a break. Yeah, it's been tough. And and that's what I was going to say, too, is that I think sometimes we have to consider what our, like, end result is. So, like, at the end of the day, what do we really want them to do with it? If it's them being able to kind of talk to us about the characters, does it always necessarily have to be through a written format for that to be communicated, like Haley said earlier? So there are, like, certain programs out there, like Flipgrid, that I think is fantastic where kids can, you can ask a question and kids can just create a video and whether they're on camera or not is fine, but you can at least hear their response and their thinking um, with either a partner independently as a small group. And that kind of is just an alternative way of, you know, assessing what they understood from the text. You know, one of the things that I used to give my kids um, is a graffiti journal where they have one page and I'm asking them to look at words, summarizing inferences, questions, and they have a creative liberty over that. And I used to count those as 10 summative points over the course of a book. It would be 50 points. And that was a, that gave me more information than sometimes their five paragraph essays that they could easily look up online and manipulate from a friend. So. Or they just weren't that great at writing an essay, but they were really, they really did understand the text. And that's, that's the difficult, that's the hard part of the content that we're trying to teach or assess, you know. And I think to do it in the summertime, like you said, Angie, after the last three years, like the reluctance is definitely there. And I know that, you know, come late August, early September, that's going to be one of the first things that the kids start talking about is, oh, what's going on with summer reading? Um, because they're going to get then, you know, nervous about a grade, um, being attached to that. And for us at the high school level, like Haley said, we've had kids who have really struggled academically because they could never have bounced back from the zeros that they had gotten the second week of school, which isn't really fair. No, no. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think it's important for kids to, you know, to have that choice to have, you know, even that like you were saying, you know, with using Flipgrid or using a creative assignment or creating a slide or, you know, some kind of uh, short um, trailer for their something where they have some kind of choice and they and they own their book. You know, I think that's so important for them um, during the summer. Right. Choice and voice. That's great. Yep. Um, and yeah, so we have Audible. That's a great option for the students who are able to afford it. But there are all those free apps and we have Sora in our district. Um, but there are, you know, what's wrong with letting the kids read a bunch of new Zella articles throughout mm-hmm. the summer or uh, or going on to Common Lit and reading a, a few of the paired texts? I don't think that would be so bad if they no. did that instead of. No. And actually, if I can interject, sorry, I just thought of another resource that I use. Um, it's called ESL-Bits, B-I-T-S, 
net. And it's a con, it's a collection of speeches, short stories, poems, anecdotes from like across all genres, um, at all different intervals, um, intervals of difficulty as well. And, you know, that's another really great resource where one can go and just even like if they want to listen to something, they can. If they want to see the video of it, they can. But it's information, it's stories. And oftentimes I actually use that site in my classroom for listening comprehension. So I'll find, you know, like a 10 minute speech and I'll create a closed passage and the kids tend to really love it because it's it's accessible, it's usually interesting, it's tied to the content that they're learning, and then they can use it as a lens later on in, a, you know, a follow-up activity, and they have it at the grip of their fingers. So, eslbits.net. Okay. All right, we wrote that down, eslbits.net. That's a great, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So, so um, I just want to kind of go through and um, and just see, you know, as, as we wrap up, I want to hear from everybody and just make sure that if there was anything else that you wanted to mention, um, you know, our conversation is surrounding summer reading. I think this is awesome because for both parents and teachers, um, I just think there's a lot of helpful information. And like I said, we'll link everything up there in the um, podcast. But Kim, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, you know, um, I think, you know, the. Like, I mean, all of us are saying choice, making it fun. It's not, you know, just about read, take notes, yeah. read, write a response, read, write an essay. And I think, you know, if you can, you know, partake in anything with book clubs, public libraries, Barnes and Noble, you don't even have to go and buy anything. It used to be fun for my kids and I, we would just go and they would be excited and we like would read there. So yeah. just trying to make it as enjoyable and then you know, from the teacher standpoint, um, you know, just providing some maybe creative ways um, to present any information they did read and acknowledge it, but not get too caught up. And as parents, to not get so stressed out that you're nagging <laughs> and making it miserable, yeah. you know, and trying to do the best that you can, you know, and, and to motivate and read with them. Yeah. I think that's yeah. great. And I think you're right. And like you guys had mentioned earlier too, like just making it fun, getting the kids to, to read the same book as other kids. You guys had mentioned, you know, um, you know, having, having a little pizza party and, you know, having the kids, we, you know, we used to do that in the library. Remember, um, the kids would read the same book and have little book talks and stuff. And I think that social piece to it is cool. Um, and, and the kids would really respond to that. I know you, you have, uh, teenagers and Angie, you have teenagers. So, um, so just kind of segueing over to you, Angie, was there anything else that you um, wanted to add? Um, I guess the only thing else I would say I was thinking about is um, the kids that are our avid readers, um, I think our districts as a whole, not, not just where we work, I think districts in general, should use our resources. And so our readers, let them be the ones who pick what they think their classmates would like to read. You know, and if we're going to have to pick books and assign them, use the kids to do it and let them uh, introduce reading, summer reading, either on a, a video that you play, at, you know, like towards the end of the year when we're wrapping everything up, um, that it, it shows them showcasing whatever book they would recommend. And, you know, try and make it less of a anything that doesn't come from us 
by the end of the year, I think they're going to be more receptive to because they're over us. So, <laughs> you know, let the kids get the kids to read. Yeah. I mean, I think that's with anything. If your boss tells you to do something or if you're, <laughs> or your BFF is like, well, this was a good show. Or your boss is like, read this yeah. for our next meeting. I mean, which one are you going to be more looking forward to doing? Right, right. You know? So, right. No, that's a great point. And I, uh, there's something cool that the students could do. I don't know if you've ever heard of the first chapter reads, Angie, but I've had my students um, create flip grades where they read the first chapter of a text that they that they are enjoying reading for like their independent reading project or whatever. And um, my, I had my honors students do it for a few years now. If they are reading a book for fun, they can read the first chapter and. Um, and then I put it out on the website for all the kids to read. So it's like big, like book reviews. So they'll read the first chapter and then the students will say, and the best part about this book is whatever it is. And it's like a library of, of, uh, text. Like you, like you said, Ange, that, that students, um, can listen to each other and get ideas and. That's cool. Yeah. You know, student, student approved. Right. Yeah. That's basically. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Not parent or teacher approved. Yeah. We're no. Not yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think too, like, point for kids just to have fun with it. Like, I, I'm, I'm just a firm believer. You know, my love of reading was fostered very early on in my life. I was fortunate that you know I had people in my life to support it, and I, I kind of just fell in love with it. And that's why I became an English teacher, right? It's because I loved stories and characters. And I think the earlier parents can get their kids excited about stories and characters and just whole new worlds um the easier it'll become hopefully as they get a little bit older you know not to say it's going to be easy peasy but you know there are going to be some bumps in the road but you know reading is something that no one can ever take away from you you know once you know it you know it yeah you're right Demi, and you know you it, it's something where you, you, you're learning about, you, you know, everything. You're learning different stories, different perspectives, different experiences. You know, there's and, you know, again, with the genres, historical fiction, you know, there's something for everyone out there. And I think really giving the kids those, you know, just that direction. You know, when they walk into a library, some kids get overwhelmed because they don't know where to go. You know, where what do I like, you know? And I, and I think that's important because some, we don't give them that choice so often where we'll said, all right, well, we're reading this book. We're reading To Kill a Mockingbird and, uh, and they don't get to choose. So I think, um, I think fostering that is, is, you know, paramount. And, um, and Demi, I, mean, I didn't get to like formally ask you, but was there anything, I think you just gave your last stuff. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, no, I just think, you know, I, I kind of agreeing with what the others have said, you know, having fun with it, having choice, having voice, having the students become the leaders. Um, you know, I would say to my teens, like say to them in teen talk, because for sure they understand it coming from a peer rather than an adult. Um, but I think just, you know, the exposure and just you know, kind of tapping into different types of stories to, uh, you know, making it more accessible to kids is something that I think we have to be a little bit better about in diversifying our, our repertoire of books. Like someone said, you know, we don't want the segregation in our classrooms. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. So I just want to say, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all three of you, Kim, Angie and Themi, not just for being on the podcast, like I think Haley's clapping, but I want to say thank you for 
what the work that you do every single day as, you know, specialist, as read in your in your in your niche that you work in, you know, and I just think it's so important. You guys support teachers, you support students with specific needs and you guys are angels, teacher angels. And we really, really appreciate you. And we really appreciate your, you know, you coming on to to the podcast to talk to us and have this awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You guys rock, so we can't You guys wait. do, too. Thank you for putting this together. Go read your summer reading books now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, go read and go to bed, okay? It's time. Do another yeah. topic. Another topic soon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, we will. We're going to get you guys back on during the, during the um, school year, so thank you. Thank you for listening to the IT Teachers Summer Miniseries. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.vitteachers.com to make your classroom awesome. Send us a message and join our PLN. This episode is produced by the IT Teachers. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast player. Our theme song is by Infraction.